Philly, you are so wonderful and interesting. You deserve a local news podcast all your own. Check out the John Cast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. The COVID-19 pandemic has been hard on everyone's mental health, but it has hit the black community disproportionately hard. And we wanted to talk about the how and why and what can be done to address this. Our guest is Dr. Nadine Gracia. She is the president and CEO of the nonprofit, nonpartisan health policy advocacy organization, Trust for America's Health. So to start, hard as it is to believe, we're two years into this pandemic and have... We gotten a feel if the black community has suffered disproportionately, both physically and mentally during the pandemic, because it seems like whenever we have any kind of a a, a health or, or social challenge, it seems to hit the black community especially hard. Yes, man, you're, you're pointing out really an important aspect uh, of uh, this pandemic, which is unfortunately what we have seen in many of our past public health emergencies. You know, here we have all been negatively impacted by uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, but uh, we, we haven't all been impacted equally. And indeed, the, the Black community and other communities of color have suffered disproportionately over the course of this pandemic. Uh, when we talk about this from the, the physical health toll, um, you can look at the COVID-19 hospitalization rates. Uh, and among Black people, it's been 2.5 times um, that of white people. And with regards to the death rate, it's been 1.7 times that uh, of whites. And so uh, we know, for example, that racial and, and ethnic health disparities have long impacted uh, our country. And uh, while we've made some significant gains as it relates to being able to access health care, having uh, uh, health insurance, uh, that the Black community, the Black population still has higher rates of being uninsured um, than, than whites and less access to health care as well as, as uh, poor quality of care uh, when they do receive care. And having those health disparities were identified actually as increasing the risk of severe illness and death due to COVID-19. Um, but I think it's important, and, and it's as you um, referred to, you know, our health is, is not only influenced by healthcare. Uh, there are really longstanding structural and systemic inequities that are drivers of health. And, and that leads to these unequal social and economic uh, and environmental conditions in public health. We refer to these as the social determinants of health that they have an even greater influence on health than, than health care. And so when you think about those inequities, as well as the longstanding history and ongoing presence of structural racism, it puts the Black community and other communities of color at greater risk for both exposure um, uh, to uh, an infectious disease outbreak, as well as the serious and, and negative impacts uh, of uh, a pandemic such as COVID-19. Is progress being made because I constantly am just so disheartened and surprised when you dig into a policy or you dig into uh, the why, as you, as you pointed out there, and you you just see in so many cases, it's something that's been in place for 50, 60, 70 years, and it was a feature, not a bug at the time. And But ha are we making progress to where we're evening the playing field here? 
you know, we we have made progress in in some areas. You know, when you look at, for example, uh, landmark legislation like the Affordable Care Act, which uh, provided millions with access to health insurance coverage, and uh, the black pe- black community as well as other communities of color made significant gains with regards to accessing health insurance coverage, which is an important indicator with regards to access to health care. Uh, there have been other measures uh, and policies that have been advanced to help support and address health disparities, but. Still and yet, uh, we know that these inequities are pervasive uh, throughout our systems and societies, whether that's in education or housing, transportation, economic opportunity. Uh, And because of that, we see the persistence of these health inequities and the pandemic it exposed that and it and it has exacerbated it. Uh, And you pointed out specifically is that disproportionate effect uh, also being seen as it relates to mental health. And indeed it is uh, where it's had a significant impact on the mental health and well-being of Americans in many ways. Uh, but again, we see that disproportionate impact um, really being towards black the black community and other communities of color. And I can certainly go into more depth about reasons why um, for that as well. Yeah, I would that was gonna be my next question. Can you give us some context, kind of put it to put it in perspective so we can understand that? Absolutely. So, you know, if, if we understand and, and uh, with regards to the impact of the pandemic, it it added stress, it added um, an increase in symptoms of anxiety and, and depression and feelings of isolation that that led to this sense of uncertainty and economic stress. And we saw this from higher rates of unemployment, you know, with regards to the millions who lost jobs or uh, the financial and economic hardships um, from job, either job loss or reductions in, in pay to even the food insecurity, right, that households face. Um, and we saw this, we saw tri- uh, tripling, for example, of, of reported symptoms of some, uh, anxiety and depression in adults. We saw a not almost 900% increase in calls to the National uh, Mental Health uh, Crisis Hotline. Um, but but bl- the Black community and, and other communities of color experienced a lot of these stressors disproportionately, right? You know, Black workers, for example, had higher rates of job loss, uh, more economic insecurity in the pandemic. Uh, and at the same time, they were also more likely to be working in jobs that were designated as the essential jobs. And, and that can then increase risk of exposure because you're it on the front lines of working uh, as well as uh, uh, the exposure and infection. Um, and then being less likely to have benefits like paid sick leave so that you could stay home if you were sick uh, or be able to care for a loved one uh, at home if, if they were ill. And, and even though as a country, we saw that the overall rate of food insecurity uh, didn't increase during the pandemic. And that was likely in part to, due to many, much of the emergency relief funding that was coming from the federal government and, and being implemented at the state and local level. Black households and households with children still had an increase in, in food insecurity. Uh, and we saw impacts for, for uh, the kids as well. For, for Black uh, students, they were more likely to be in a remote learning setting. They were less likely to have access to the internet and, and live instruction, which um, also adds to stressors in the families. And so when you think about all of these factors, it's not just one factor or one individual stressor, but it's all of these structural and systemic inequities that combined really create a multitude of hardships and that impacts mental health and well-being because our mental health and well-being is part of our overall health and well-being. And so when you have 
those kinds of stressors, it can then lead to these symptoms of feeling anxious, having sadness, and 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 really uh, then trying to be able to cope through that. And we we've seen actually impacts, for example, uh, where now um, we we saw with regards to drug overdose deaths, while we've seen the highest rate of drug overdose deaths um, in from May of 2020 to April 2021, more than 100,000 Americans who died from drug overdose deaths. It's actually in the Black population now, along with the American Indian Alaska Native population, who have the highest rates of drug overdose deaths when years ago that was not the case. So that is a devastating milestone, certainly for the Black community to be to be attaining. What are some other areas? And you mentioned uh, that was you took the words right out of my mouth that those recent statistics about uh, the Black community suffering these overdoses, you know, as we, cause a lot of these studies, a lot of this data kind of lags. And I mentioned we're two years in, what are you kind of bracing yourself for what we're going to learn from a, a mental st- health standpoint, you know, when people really start to dig into the data about the effects on the black community? Yes. And, and, you know, an important thing to point out, Matt, is that we were already facing as a nation, a mental health crisis, even before the pandemic. And, and now that has been further exacerbated because of just the severity and the impacts uh, of the pandemic. And so some things that, you know, to be considering, for example, before the pandemic, black youth under the age of 13 were actually twice as likely to die by suicide than white youth. And now we are seeing that uh, there's some uh, the data released by the, uh, the CDC showing that more than 140,000 kids under the age of 18 have lost a parent or caregiver during the pandemic. And still, and yet, Black children and other children of color are more likely to have lost a parent or caregiver uh, during the uh, to, to COVID nineteen. That type of of loss of a of a parent parental figure of a caregiver really can impact development. And and we know from longstanding studies around adverse childhood experiences and trauma um, how that can really impact long-term, both short-term, in the short-term, but also long-term physical and mental health and well-being. But the important aspect of this is that can be prevented. And even if an adverse childhood experience, such as experience the loss of of a parental, um, a a parent or a caregiver, uh, or being in communities that have higher rates of, of disruption from higher unemployment, as we've been talking about, or unstable housing, that that can be prevented, or if it takes place, uh, that the the impacts of it can actually be mitigated. So it's not it's not a, a determined uh, fact that if you experience an adverse childhood uh, experience, that you are then going to be involved in the criminal justice system, not graduate from high school, et cetera. But we have to truly. Uh, focus on understanding that communities in need need to have the resources and supports and the policies and programs that are in place to assure that we have supportive um, and 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 uh, sustaining environments to really help support the health and well-being of children, of families, and communities. And we have to be uh, intentional about that, especially when we think about the disproportionate impact in the Black community. When we talk about mental health, I think one of the things overall as a society is I think we've made light years of progress of talking about going to therapy, mainstreaming it, saying, you know, taking away the stigma. But I've heard, and this is just kind of anecdotally, that the the, the Black community, when it comes to being open about stuff like therapy, uh, is kind of behind where we've come. Is this true? And if so, why is it uh, still kind of taboo within that community? 
Well, I would say, um, and that's an important question. I would say actually that, um, you know, this kind of negative perceptions or beliefs about um, mental illness and talking about mental health and mental health conditions, it, it's, it's still unfortunately fairly widespread uh, across the, the country. Um, but as you noted, it can be particularly strong in certain communities. And, and, and that is the case too within the black community and, and understanding the reasons why can be an empowering way to then address it. And so for example, um, the, the stigma around mental illness and, uh, and, and addiction persists. Um, and many people may feel and experience shame about having uh, mental health challenges or suffering from addiction. And they may worry that they're gonna be discriminated against because they have uh, that condition. Um, you know, they also may fear uh, that if they um, go seek uh, mental health care, um, that how they're gonna be perceived by others. Uh, there is also the longstanding uh, discrimination and bias that happens in the mental health care system, as well as healthcare more broadly, where, you know, healthcare provider bias, whether that's conscious or unconscious bias, and if we're not providing culturally and linguistically appropriate care and services, that can lead to mistrust. And, and we have a long history of mistrust uh, with regards to, to healthcare and the experience of healthcare. And so it's important then that as we Think about how to um, make this, you know, more mainstream. Make this more of a conversation that is comfortable. One, there is the opportunity that the pandemic has shown us how this can actually impact our, our mental health and well-being. But working to address the stigma, the access to care, the quality of care, and the availability of care to assure um, that all communities, including the Black community, um, has both the resources and supports that the community needs to be able to seek treatment. Because there's, it's not that there's these higher rates, for example, of mental illness, but even having access to the care and treatment can be a challenge. Are there ways, and you kind of went into this, but I'd like to drill a little deeper, but uh, that we can make seeking therapy more mainstream, more open uh, to the black community, to communities, people of color that have been, if not excluded, you talked about, you know, these high hurdles you have to do to get to, to quality care. What are some other ways we can encourage and are there programs available that are already doing that? Yeah, absolutely. I think well, one of the ways is, is indeed what you're doing right now is we have to keep talking about it. We have to make it understood and known that talking about discussing mental health, mental health needs and seeking help and that seeking help should be encouraged, that we have to normalize that. And, and so the more that we're talking about it, the more that we understand uh, that we can all have these, these challenges now and then, and, and sometimes we actually need to get additional support and care is okay. And, and there are assets too, and, and strengths within the Black community, which we should be uh, note, note uh, to say it's not a monolithic community. I know it's a very diverse community, but there are strengths through family connections and the values um, within the community, you know, the re reliance, for example, on our community and faith networks, that that can be a great source of strength and support. And often um, people who don't get mental health services, they, they may not know where to start. And so it's making sure that we're also promoting the availability of resources. Certainly it's to see your healthcare provider if you have a healthcare provider, but if you don't, don't. It's knowing that there are resources, for example, like the National Helpline, uh, where you can call and be able to confidentially, and, and that's free and available 24 hours a day, every day of the year to get information uh, about individuals for individuals who are facing these um, uh, mental health challenges, and that you can get 
provide referrals. Uh, you can get um, access to knowing where there's some local treatment facilities or support groups. Uh, it's also important that uh, we really assure that this is a whole of society effort, right? We have to meet people where they are and bring the services to where they are. You, you know, may have heard certainly within uh, President Biden's tw- uh, State of the Union address earlier this week that he announced the importance of us addressing a nat- the national mental health crisis. So in order to do that, we've got to integrate mental health care into the settings where people are, whether that's through communi- working with community health workers, training lay health lay workers, um, and, and the faith community as an example to be able to connect people to care. But it's also programs in schools, right? There are school programs, for example, so that you can focus on prevention, such as social and emotional learning in schools, um, providing a conflict resolution, mentoring programs, after-school activities. Those truly make a difference to promote mental health, resilience, and well-being. And then we need to be advancing the policies that improve the social and economic conditions that, unfortunately, the Black community experience inequities. We need to look at making sure that there's um, good jobs with livable wages, that people have access to stable housing and affordable housing, uh, and assuring that they'll have uh, job-protected benefits like paid sick leave so that they don't have the stressors of, if I go if I don't go to work because I'm sick, I might lose my income or, or, uh, or lose my job. So now is really the time to make that investment in prevention and really strengthen the community conditions so that everyone has a fair opportunity uh, to have and promote positive mental health and well-being. And I'm just how much of a an additional challenge. I mean, you mentioned the pandemic itself has been challenging to everyone, but also in the scope of that, we've had this fight for racial equity, racial justice that was kind of crystallized with the the protests in the wake of the killing of George Floyd. And it was a moment where I think a lot of people who hadn't thought about it genuinely thought maybe we had hit a pivot point. And as happens so often in American history, if not always in American history, whenever we seem to hit a point like that, there is the inevitable pendulum swing of fragile white people backlash. And we're seeing that with CRT and stuff like that. I can't. It is hard to me to imagine how much pressure that puts on everyone in communities of color, specifically the black community, on top of navigating everything we have already talked about. Yes, you you, you have articulated such a key point about um, that you can have these moments where it feels like there's there's momentum to really lead to this type of change. And, and I, I spoke earlier about the fact that also with these kinds of public health emergencies, we've seen it as well, that there's all of this attention around um, in, you know, getting an infusion of emergency funding and resources into communities that need them in response to the emergency. And yet when the emergency is over, either the funding is moved and, and, uh, and, and redirected to another uh, re- for another reason, or it's not sustained. And so it really is, is upon us to ensure, and as you noted, that stressor, that day-to-day stressor, is it can also impact, as you noted, the, the, the health and well-being, not only physical health and well-being, but the mental health and well-being of communities. And so it's it's incumbent upon us. I mean, we at, at Trust for America's Health are really saying this has to be the clarion call for action where we have to center and prioritize equity. And it's not about uh, prioritizing a community over another. It's understanding that when we think about healing communities, when we think about resilience in communities, it's understanding 
the value and understanding that um, that there is a false sense of this hierarchy of, of any community above another, but rather saying that it's about fairness and justice, as you pointed out. You know, what gives me hope in that is seeing the, the youth movements as well with regards to demanding that this be uh, something that cannot be something that we, we don't pay attention to in the future. Because if we don't, we'll face the next emergency and see the same inequities arise as we've seen over and over again. So we really have a par- unparalleled opportunity to push our policymakers, our lawmakers to assure that they understand this is truly about ensuring that it's not only the fairness and justice for communities, but it's also for the health and well-being of our nation, because we can see how a pandemic can actually shut down our economy uh, our, and, and communities and have such a devastating impact. And if we don't make that investment in public health, where that is a field that is actually working to protect and promote and assure the conditions in which everyone can be healthy, and that we also center equity in the policies that we do, we're gonna continue to see this cycle uh, in the next emergency. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.